I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Welcome back to She and Her's mini-series, COVID and Cocktails, where we check in with some of our favorite guests from She and Her over virtual cocktails. Um, It's been such a delight to do this. It's really been the bright spot of our weeks and kept us sane and feeling connected with people in our community who we admire. So we are thrilled to be back with another episode tonight. So we have... Uh, a very special guest this evening, Monet Marshall, who came on our show, I guess about a year or so ago, maybe a little bit more, but she is an artist and an activist and a mover and shaker in Durham, North Carolina. And we are so glad to have her back on the show. Monet, welcome back to She and Her. Thanks, y'all. So good to see your faces. You too. You know, we started this series because we wanted to hear how our friends and guests were dealing with and processing the COVID-19 pandemic. And I'd love for you just to walk us through um, the moment when COVID-19 really got real for you personally. Oh, yeah. Um, So I was working on, I was directing But Not Buddy for Theater Raleigh. And we were supposed to open on March 13th. And... So we were in tech, and anyone who knows theater, like, tech week is hell week. Um, you're throwing, you're turning everything together, all your tech elements, like, just just a pickup. It's just, like, a stressful pressure cooker time, and then the show opens. And it was my first time directing for the company, really, like, my first time directing locally for a company that I'm not also producing the work for. So I was really excited um, it's based on a book that I read as a kid. So just it was just super sweet. I was just really excited about it. Um, and then the Thursday before, one of my cast members calls me and is like, I have strep throat. So we were already in a process of figuring out if we were going to delay it or postpone it or like wait a week because we just didn't have any understudies. And then by the next day, it was like, oh, actually, no, we're not going to have a show and then they were like, but we're going to film it. We'll just bring everybody together and we'll film it and we see if we can film it. And by the time we got to the next week, it was like, no, we're not going to do that either. <laughs> so um, pretty much like March 12th, March 13th is when it got real. And I've just been hunkered down 
ever since and just watching the theater world try to scramble. What has it meant for the theater world? Because I feel like for musical artists, like it seemed like a pretty quick turnaround to being to at least trying to do virtual events and connecting with audiences that way. And I've seen a little bit of stand up, but for other people in theater, is there a similar kind of like online version of what you're trying to do? So can I get my positive answer and my cynical answer? <laughs> okay. So my positive answer is that, yes, theaters are doing all types of things. They're doing monologue challenges. They um, Some theaters are commissioning playwrights to create short plays that people can read in their homes or monologues that actors can do. People are doing digital, like, Zoom readings of plays. Um, I listened to a really great one from an MFA student at Yale. Um, so people are figuring out how to still present theater as well as people are um, sharing videos of plays from their archives, um, some for free and some charging. But my cynical answer is that theater is an arts institution that is also played by a lot of the same things that all of our institutions are played by, like race and class and ableism and all these things. And it's like, if we were doing a better job at being equitable and inclusive before the pandemic, then actually this would not be a difficult transition. Um, but actually because we're so like, well, if you can't pay the 40 or 50 or 60 or 80 or $100 ticket, you don't get to see this work. If you can't get to New York, you don't get to see this. If you can't, if you're not in a big market, you don't get to participate in this. And now all of a sudden it's like, no, come, come, everybody, we're on the internet, come, come. And it's like, but you spent the last 50, 60, 70, 80 years telling us that we can't be a part of this so hmm. um yeah so I really <laughs> I don't know if I actually want to do a podcast maybe I just want to say words but I, I almost want to like have a conversation called the n-word and the n-word being like normal but how everybody wants to get back to normal but I actually don't want to go back to normal but that's a whole nother conversation um yeah I think that's a I mean I'd love to hear you speak a little bit more about that because I've felt that way too and I think the way that this has revealed just how wobbly these institutions are has started many of those conversations about the future. So I wonder how you think about that as it relates to theater generally and then your your work and your approach to making a life for yourself as an artist? Ooh, that's a big question. Um, so when it comes to theater institutions, I really feel like this is a moment for us to reimagine how we fund things. Um, because it feels clear to me that should we keep, should we keep paying money into institutions that are actually not connected to a community that looks like our, our world and looks like our country, right? So if your community is like older white folks, that's cool. But like, should we continue to like fund that in, in a way when it's when you're not doing the work of like reaching out, supporting, connecting, being in a relationship to a whole branch of other groups of people? 
And I think the funders have some responsibility in that. And I also think that as institutions, this should be a come to Jesus moment around like, ooh, when I look at our metrics around who's actually connected to us, who's actually checking for us, it's not the people that we keep putting on the cover of the brochure. So, <laughs> yeah. Um, and, and I think the internet is very scary and that it captures all of our data. But I also feel clear that like, there's going to be data that comes out of this moment about the ways that we as humans interact. Like, there's just going to be data on data on data. So I think that we should use it to the best of our ability. And then for me personally, I also had to, had to come to Jesus meeting with myself around, like, so many of my dreams are tied up to big institutions, I want to be a playwright that's produced on Broadway. I want to write for TV and for film. And like, I want to do these things in connection with these institutions because that's what I've been taught. That's how you make it happen. Um, but this moment had to remind me that that's not why I make art anyway. And that no matter what it looks like, that my purpose will still be my purpose, no matter how it gets out into the world. And that the people that it's meant for will find me and I will find them and that will be enough. And that will be more than enough. Um, even if my name is never like on a Broadway marquee, right? Um, and that just has to be okay. Yeah, I read that blog post that you wrote inspired by Alexis Pauline Gum's service. And I thought that was so beautiful that like they'll recognize you by your purpose, even if the institutions fall or fail or crumble or or don't exist in the way that they did when you attain that status, whatever that is, like your purpose is what will be recognized. And I wonder for you, how has this moment or has this moment changed your sense of purpose as an artist? I think more than anything, it's solidified things. It's reminded me who I'm centering in my work. And I really use that word centering intentionally and not like, this is who my work is for. Because I really think that my work is for all humans um, in some way, shape, or form. But I know who I'm centering, which means that, like, other people may have an access point, And that's great. And I want you to find the access point that works for you. But I also know who's at the, who's at the center and the core of the work. Um, for me, that's Black women, Black queer folks, Black folks in general. Um, and particularly working class and working poor folks. Um, they're just they're, Those are the voices that I hear when I'm like thinking about my people and those are the people that I want to create art for. Um, I want them to see themselves in all of their divinity and all of their mess um, and to know that they are artful. So I think more than anything, it has reminded me of that. And I think it's also given me on my best day or my best moment, moment to moment, it's given me um, permission and time and space to write the stories that have been like sitting in the back of my brain that are for those people. Because it's like, that's not the work I'm necessarily being commissioned to do or that clients are asking for all the time or, you know, that's not where I am in my artistic career. But in this quiet, when no one's emailing me or whatever, I'm like, oh, well, what do I want to do today? Oh, I want to work on this play. Oh, okay, cool. Here we are. Will you talk about what you have been working on? Absolutely. Oh, so um, I finished the first and second and third drafts of a play called When the Cock Crows. 
Um, it's a family drama. It's about this black woman named Drea and her daughter named Misha. And we meet them the night before her husband, Julius, comes home from prison. And he's been in prison for six years. And just like watching this black mama negotiate power when she's been running things. And then what happens when you're trying to make space for someone when they come home? And how do you, how do you navigate that? And how do you navigate that as you're teaching your child how to na- navigate power in their own sense of self, in their own world? Um, yeah, and I, it really has been the thing that's been helping me hold on to my sanity in this time. I just like, I'm gonna get up every day and I'm gonna write. Okay, here we are. To the point where when I got to the end and I'm like, oh, I'm in the last few pages, I got sad. Mm. <laughs> I'm just like, oh, what am I going to do now? Um, but yeah, it's it's like black and queer and it just sounds like people I know and love and um, I get to make up people that I wish were in my life and also get to write characters that I want to be for other people. I'm just excited about it. Did that show up organically for you? Because I feel like there's been this really interesting conversation that's emerged in the past month of like, at the beginning, it was like, you know, Einstein did his greatest work, like when he was isolated and all these creative people being like, think about what you can produce in this moment. And then the backlash of like, you don't have to be productive right now. So I just wonder for you, like navigating that tension, what has that been like? Yes, I'm going to answer that question. And it's meatball time. Please hold. <laughs> okay. <laughs> this is your she and her meatball break. Uh, <laughs> brought to you by Monet's Kitchen. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. I did not burn the meatballs. Amazing. And we are back after the meatball break. And we're back. <laughs> um, oh my God. So rise and grind culture is the bane of my existence. <laughs> I <laughs> I hate it so much. Um, because I'm like, y'all, uh, like we have never been in our lifetimes, unless we are over 100 years old, have never been in the midst of a global pandemic before. Please do not tell me that this is the moment when I'm going to find the resources, the time, the bandwidth, the mental capacity to start a business, do a thing. Why don't I, let's like, <laughs> no, just let me be a human. Let me figure out what my heart needs. And if it needs a project, sure, I'll pick up a project. If it needs to just sit and look out the window, then that's what I'm going to do. And just like giving ourselves grace to be human. 
And in a, in a fractal way, it feels like our inability to let each other be humans is what causes the inequities in our system to begin with. That cause like, I actually don't think that COVID is the problem. Like, yes, COVID is a virus and it's like, but it's actually not the thing that's killing us. It is, but it isn't like if we had access to care and if we had like, Oh yeah, it's easy for our country to understand like everyone going home and everyone having food and everyone having a home and everyone having health care and us having the resources to go to what's actually important. Then COVID would still be a thing that would kill people, but it wouldn't be fracturing us in this way because we would have practice being human. Um, so I just, I can't. The flip side of that is that for me, getting up and knowing that if nothing else, I'm going to sit down to this notebook and write freehand this story and, and get to conjure this other world felt like a bomb to me. And I get to have that. And I'm not going to tell nobody else that that's what they need to do. Because that's ridiculous. I'm also like... I'm partnered and I'm staying with my partner, but I don't have any children. I don't have a job I have to be accountable to every day. Like, I my day is pretty much like get up, do what I want to do, cook food. <laughs> <laughs> do you so? Do you have a daily routine or is it just like moment by moment? <sighs> when I was writing, my my routine was to get up every day, write, and then like chill for a little bit, maybe go for a walk or just like take some breaths or whatever and then cook dinner. Um, I'm a Virgo. So my one way to know what day it is, is like I made a menu. So every single day, (laughs) (laughs) like I went in Canva and designed it and named my restaurant. Oh my gosh. What's your restaurant's name? It's called The Bean. uh, Because I call my partner Corey Bean. And, um... So, it's the bean. It's established in 2020. <laughs> uh, <laughs> What's been the best meal so far? Oh. Oh, on Sunday I made like this barbecue chicken and the chicken was from off-grid in color. This black woman who has this homestead um in North Carolina. So these chicken quarters with baked macaroni and cheese and Brussels sprouts. Mm. It was so good. I like braised the chicken so it was crispy and then I like took the skillet and like put it in the oven and then I like put the sauce on at the end and yeah like five cheeses in it yeah well so so when it comes to just general observations of yours about our community's response to COVID what has struck you I'm going to speak for my, like for myself, what's, what feels real to me is that on the one hand, I'm grateful for the ways that I do feel connected to a web of people. Um, I feel like if something were really coming down the pipe, some big information or some big like tumultuous events, I feel like someone would call me or text me or let me know. And at the same time, I feel a lot of guilt and grief for people that that is not true for them. And I feel admittedly frightened for 
young people who don't have connection to support, particularly like queer and trans young people who may be in a home where it's not supportive. I'm concerned about domestic violence. I'm concerned about people with mental health. I'm just worried that when we are able to come out and be together again, we're going to look around and be like, oh, wait, where is so-and-so? And I'm concerned about what that answer will be. And and I don't have an answer to that, which feels hard for me. So that's that's one. And then as an artistic community, I'm both grateful and and suspicious of the busyness. And I think it goes back to that rise and grind culture. It's like artists, because of the way that art is not funded in this country, I feel like artists are always trying to prove their worth for every dollar. And I'm like, so then when do we just get to rest like everyone else? Um, so like, for instance, when Mayor Shul did the press conference, pretty much um, announcing the stay-at-home order, he mentioned like, and we're going to be, you know, we're, we're um, some to the effect of like, we're looking, looking at our arts community for support and to lift us in these times. And I'm like, but where's the funding for that? Like, do you think that artists don't have rent or don't eat or, like, don't have children or people they take care of? Like, you're looking to us in these hard times? Because 100 years ago, when we had the Great Depression, we paid artists to be artists. We knew we needed them. That's my dream. I've dreamt. That's my dream, I've too. dreamt of that project. I've been talking about it ever since I went to work at the Arts Council. Like, we need that. Like... The, we the, need the, that. The fact that the only other time that artists were really funded in this country was the Great Depression is bananas. I know. And I do, I, I feel like if we could make something like that happen here, that would be a real, to me, I see that as a glimmer of opportunity for stepping beyond and and away from what was normal before covid and i i have felt like from i i can't think of in my lifetime anything else that has been such a leveler in terms of immediate impact to almost every person in this country and in that way you know on a daily basis even now during this time there's so many things that come up that try to divide people and there's so many stories that are intended to divide people but my dream would be if we could if we could somehow say this is artists are valuable we want to pay them to do things in our communities and we want to pay them to do transgressive work and reflect our communities back to ourselves because that was what that project was about during the Great Depression. I think that would be so fantastic. I mean, most of our Black theaters that are still existing from that time got started in that moment. And they were writing plays, like, about communism. <laughs> like, they weren't just like, hey, come see a show, which is fine. Like, we just, we deserve that type of entertainment, too. But they were writing, like, deep and meaningful work. And I just... I just can't imagine, I can, I just, I would be, that would be the best, that would be one of the best possible worlds, right? Um, if artists mm. were funded, because the, the other thing too is, as an artist with time, I'm going to, for me at least, I'm going to make art. 
regardless <laughs> of if someone is funding me or not. Because that's also how I know how to get through. So if someone were going to send me a check so I could, like, pay my rent on top of that, I'd be like, oh, shoot, that's great. Cool. Like, I'm I'm working on a virtual exhibition right now. So we are figuring out ways to make art because we know, because I want to be connected to people. I miss my people. I miss hugging people. I miss seeing them at the coffee shop. And when I don't know their name, I like complimenting people on their clothes. I'm just like, I just miss people. <laughs> so, yes. Yeah, yeah. Yes. Do you, do you feel like, so this is something we've also talked about on this show, and this is kind of a tangent, but it feels related. I, in some ways, I have, you know, I think many of us have ambivalent relationships towards, like, Zoom, for instance. (laughs) Like, God, you know you can spend too much time on a Zoom call, especially if it's, like, a work thing. But I will say one thing that I've noticed in terms of things that make life net better during this time is that I have found myself on more thought, random but thoughtful phone calls or FaceTimes or video catch-ups with people who I wouldn't normally be connecting with for a random reason. And that has certainly been something that I want to carry with me after this all settles out. Just from a social perspective, I wonder, do you feel, have you noticed that at all in your life? I have. Just because I, like, I have time and I feel myself. It's funny. So one of the things that I've said is like, oh, I can't wait to be a grandma. And like when I'm a grandma, <laughs> I'm just going like to call people. Say, like, hey, honey, you were on my heart and I wanted to call you. And I'm going to bake bread and I'm going to just like cook food. And I'm just going to sit and read. <laughs> I'm going to make my art. And literally I have just become my grandma version of myself in this time. And I'm like, oh, I didn't know. I just needed a global pandemic. And then I'm going to be a grandma. Who knew? Yes. <laughs> and I, but I love it. I, I love just having luxurious phone calls. Like, what you doing? I'm not doing nothing. What you looking at? Uh, there's a bird outside. Mm, what color is that bird? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm great. Well, speaking of that, I mean, have what have you kind of noticed about your like drilling down to the things that bring you the most joy that maybe weren't as obvious before this moment? Have there been surprises for you in that? I really enjoy cooking. I So before this, I was living by myself in my apartment. Um, and then my, my partner and I decided to quarantine together. Um, and I just, I have cooked dinner every single night for the last like five weeks, except for twice. Um, and like a different dinner. <laughs> wow, that's impressive. And like, just because it brings me joy. Like, I, I really enjoy just like the moment of being to zone out and or maybe listen to a podcast and just like make, take ingredients and make them into food. It really brings me joy. Um, and I think the unexpected part too is, um, I like a clean kitchen also, and I'm not that person. I'm like, uh, like I really don't care. But now I do care. <laughs> I really enjoy clean kitchen. Um, I've fallen in love with my partner's cat. 
my partner's cat is the most honorary cat. So winning the cat's affection over this time has felt like a major win. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Yeah, I also, I really like my partner. (laughs) I I think it's just, I feel like we just look at each other. I'm like, I like you. And they're like, I like you. I'm like... We're doing good. Now, we definitely have arguments or, like, disagreements or we have our big feelings. But in general, I'm just like, wow, I really like you. Oh, <laughs> I'm glad that I'm glad so you have that going Go for you right now. Me too. Me too. It's really sweet. It's sweet. I, I honestly sometimes think I think about my alternate reality version of myself. I'm like, if I were single and in my apartment by myself, I would be uh. a hot mess. <laughs> I would just be. <laughs> I would be in a deep emotional relationship with someone I'd never met before. I would be... <laughs> That's surreal. Yes. But gratefully, I don't. I don't have that. I'm not doing that. Ugh. How I? This is a question I've been really curious about. People who are partnered or in or in relationships, like how, what, what is, what is coming up in that, or like what mm. are you learning about yourself in relationship in this pressure cooker? So I actually, so I live with my fiance. We. We're actually supposed to get married this weekend. Congratulations. I'm sorry, and but so also. we're not. <laughs> <laughs> Newsflash. <laughs> we were, we were going to get married on Friday. And on top of all of that, he is, he works on the ICU at UNC. So he has been doing a lot of COVID related work and when everything started hitting the fan in March, for him at work was when we had we realized that we had to postpone this wedding that we'd, you know, really been getting excited for. And we grieved that a lot in March. And then in April, he's luckily kind of been like a, on second string. So he'll go in if they need him. But he's been home most of the time. And I've been home all of the time. And it has been really incredibly important for us just to have that time together now because we've really grieved the postponement and we've left, we've cried, we've, you know, processed a lot of it. And obviously this is a big week for us, but I feel like I'm in such a better place with it because I've had this time with him. And there are definitely moments where I'm like, okay, I got to just take my own walk. Like I got to do my own thing just because I like, and I'm accustomed to having that time on in a normal way. And I love having that time. So I've had to be, feel not guilty about building that back into our life together. And we just have had a lot of slow time together, which I really treasure. And I too don't have children or anything like that. But I have, one of the things that I've thought about is how, if you are able to do this with people that you love, like if you're sharing space with people that you love, this is a time, like, this is unprecedented time. And so I try to see that as precious. And and obviously some days I see it as annoying, but 
You feel, you know what I'm saying. Yeah, I do. <laughs> totally. What yeah. You I, need to... I feel similarly that I feel like it has made me, I have had to learn how to like express my like boundaries and desires like more concretely than I think I ever have because there was just a more natural ebb and flow of like having the house alone or being in different spaces. And so I think this whole this whole experience has made me realize I actually really like more alone time than I usually give myself in a normal week. And so being able to like honor and protect that and like communicate that I think has been really important and then also be able to communicate like and I'm working on this a lot in therapy but like feeling my feelings and like staying with them in the moment versus like jumping into the future or jumping to action or jumping to like processing it's like because there's so much stillness it's like been a good way to kind of create that structure to to recognize when I'm like trying to get away from my feeling by like jumping away from it and Working on that with another person is, like, really hard work. (laughs) But it's, like, given me space to, like, realize how my brain is working in a way that I think on, like, a normal day or a normal week, I'd be like, yeah, I just, like, I got to do that to move on to be able to focus on the next day. And it's it's been nice to, like, have the force slow down to be like, okay, you're doing that because you're trying to avoid, like, feeling your feelings. So maybe just recognize that. Um... Yeah. So it's like, I think I'm grateful. I'm grateful to be in like a physical environment that has a couple of different spaces, like in where I can go outside. And like, I can imagine if I were in New York in like a studio apartment, this would feel like so intense. (laughs) So I feel really grateful to be in like a state where the weather is beautiful and we can like be outdoors without being too nervous. Um, So I felt like a lot of gratitude for having this experience in this place with someone um thanks for sharing yeah yeah i'm just so curious i think in our normal everyday life we keep our relationship stuff so private that when you're going through a challenge or whatever it just it feels taboo to discuss it if there isn't already some practice at talking about like here's what's great and here's what's challenging here we're learning Here's how we need support, you know, and I, I just think that particularly in this moment, it feels important to have really honest conversations around relationships. Totally. So maybe we close by each of us sharing our, um, like, why don't we, Monet, I would love to hear, I kind of know Anita because we've been <laughs> chatting all week about <laughs> the stupid television show we've been watching, but what is your, like, latest and I'm going to say guilty pleasure, even though I don't, you know, I mean, you actually feel guilty about it. But what's your media, what's your favorite juicy media right now? Oh, my God. I started listening to my dad wrote a porno yesterday. I'm in a deep love. I'm in a deep love. I think because, for one, I didn't know it was British people hosting the show. So hearing them read this <laughs> tawdry porno written by this 60 year old man in a british accent and then commenting on it it's just like a bomb for my seedy british loving soul oh my god (laughs) i've heard so many good things i've actually never listened oh my god i love it i love that i've been lots of people have recommended that to me 
I'm going to let Anita share the TV show we've both been watching, but I will say that my <laughs> shitty romance novel listening continues, or reading continues, <laughs> and I'm currently reading one called something like Mirror Image, and the premise of this book is that a beautiful Dallas up-and-coming news anchor is in a plane crash and she's sitting next to a doppelganger who just happens to be married to the um the like democratic candidate for senate in texas she dies she's selfish she was plotting a murder against her husband (laughs) the newscaster lives but she has facial reconstruction surgery and they think she's the guy's wife so she's now living a double life and trying to solve his murder because while she was in a coma, someone came in and said, we're still going to murder your husband. So <laughs> in God's that name. That is what I'm reading right now, you guys. It's That's one- amazing. <laughs> also, what an altruistic hit person. It's like, I know you can't actually pay me because you're dead, but I stand by yes. my morals and I'm still going to follow out my job. <laughs> yes. Y'all, it is so hot, too. It's yeah, so romantic good. thrillers have been uh, getting us through. Romantic thriller fiction. Also, um, the Netflix show Outer Banks, which is so bad, but it's so good. It's like the OC meets like kind of Dawson's Creek just in the setting and it's this like adventure story of this group of teenagers that has like a Romeo and Juliet like rich versus poor dynamic um and so we and a group of our friends like on Friday we're like hey let's do like a tv club we'll watch like two episodes a week and then we'll chat and then we all watched nine out of ten episodes (laughs) in Three days in three days. So tonight we are watching the finale. Um, so clearly, and I saw there's a there was a piece in the indie today about this show because the show has like some really amusing inaccuracies. The best one being that you can take a ferry from the Outer Banks to Chapel Hill. <laughs> Jesus. Are you just on the Eno River the whole way? Like what? what is the actual route? <laughs> it's amazing. We're like... I guess it would take like a whole episode for them to get off the ferry and then drive like six and a half hours. Um, but it has been giving us life. I'd say I will probably never watch that because that would just that would just make me angry. Yeah, it's angry. it's painful. It's painful, but like you want every ep like the way that like the cliffhangers are like you just have to keep watching. <laughs> it's, it's just it's forcing That's you to right. do it. Yeah. Well, Monet, thank you so much for coming on the show. We hope your meatballs turn out. They sound like they will. Thank you. I hope so, too. I'm excited about them. (laughs) Well, where can people find you and track what you're doing? People can find me at um, on Instagram at Monet is art. Um, People can also find me on Facebook. Um, My name is Monet Noel Marshall on Facebook. And my website is also MonetNoelMarshall.com. Perfect. So find her in all of those places and you can find us at sheandherradio.com and at sheandherradio on Instagram. And we'll be back with you all with uh, another conversation in the near future. She and her. Planning for your next trip? 
Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. When it comes to your finances, you think you've done it all. You've saved, you've researched, and you've invested all that you can. Now it's time to take those investments to the next level by using the brand behind every great investor, Yahoo Finance. As America's number one finance destination, Yahoo Finance has everything you need, whether you're a seasoned trader or just dipping your toes into the market. Join the millions of investors who trust Yahoo Finance to guide them on their financial journey. For comprehensive financial news and analysis, visit yahoofinance.com, the number one financial destination, yahoofinance.com.